0: Hey, folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll be sitting down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The daily ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Finian's Rainbow, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, Scarface by Brian De Palma, we have Layer Cake, directed by Matthew Vaughn, we have newly released The Zone of Interest by Jonathan Glazer, and finally argyle again directed by matthew vaughn so it is going to be a great show folks stay tuned and enjoy Daily, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, It's going okay on this side of the table. How was your week of movies, Vin?
1: A week was all over the map, honestly. I I think early on, this was maybe going to be a a Bond special plus the Fred Astaire spot, but... uh,
2: I'm glad it wasn't. uh, Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't. (laughs) I'll
1: tell you what, though. Layer Cake was uh, a surprising watch. I would say refreshing after coming after Argyle. Uh, I did watch it after Argyle as well. I don't know about you.
0: So I watched... I didn't know. No, I watched Argyle last. Okay, okay. I've always really liked Layer Cake. Yep. I've probably seen it, this might have been my fifth time watching it, and uh, it's almost like the most I've I've enjoyed it. Really? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I I really, really like Layer Cake. It's funny to see where Matthew Vaughn goes in his career, kind of. (laughs) Um, It
1: really was interesting as well, seeing the... um the little pieces of, of his style and what that style gets blown out to. It, yeah. was, it was really interesting seeing it, it tone back or maybe him even wrestling a little bit with, um, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe getting what he really wanted to do by, but he had to maybe make some sacrifices for it.
0: Yeah, I... Um... I didn't see a lot of a lot of pieces. I didn't really. I, I didn't connect too many dots.
1: Interesting. When's the last time you maybe watched like a Kingsman or something in between? Not
0: not too unrecently. Oh, really? That's, okay. is that a word? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, actually don't know what you mean. But <laughs> um, I, <laughs> not too I unrecently. Think I, I think I might have made that up. Uh, kind of recently. Okay. It hasn't been that long since okay. I've watched Kingman, Kingsman, or any of those whatevers. I've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts. <laughs> but um, anyway, and then of course we've got our Fred movie directed by none other but the guy that directed the Godfather. The Godfather,
1: I, yeah, four years prior to the, God- <laughs> the Godfather, and uh, boy, is that uh, this? Th- it was a terrible movie. I'll, I'll tell you that. Okay, much. <laughs> all right.
0: Uh, any other opening notes? Uh,
1: I hope everyone. Watch Tony Montana be. <laughs> yeah, we, it's just a big name. Scarface yeah, yeah, is, a this, big this name. is a big name. That's not a. That's, we're in a no joke here. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, all right. L- let's jump back to 1968. You already kind of gave up the. you know Gave them the go <laughs> a little bit on this one. 1968, Finian's Rainbow. So, this is definitely. When you're close to the 70s, this is old as Stair. Mm. I mean, Fred Astaire was born in the 1800s. You know? Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So we're getting up there in his dancing age and his yes. just professional career. Yep. Uh, again, a huge director of the guy who directed The Godfather, Francis Ford Coppola. Right. Um, how much? So I guess how much did you not like Finian's Rainbow?
1: Oh, oh man, uh, I did not like it at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, there there are maybe some aspects that I'll I'll, I'll hone into, but none of those really make a a compelling watch or compelling recommendation to to someone. To go out of their way and actually watch this, you know, old 68 movie. We're kicking off Fred Astaire February, folks, with uh, a little bit of a stinker. uh, And uh, I did kind of know what I was in for. uh, But then again, I really didn't know how bad it was going to be. (laughs) The biggest surprise here is, of course, Francis Ford Coppola uh, directing this, coming out four short years before 1972's must-watch The Godfather. Uh, Something that was also very much top of mind with watching Scarface this week and thinking about gangster movies and even thinking back to our Black Blaxploitation special. Unfortunately, Phineas Rainbow is not a gangster movie. It really would be great if it was a gangster movie. (laughs) It's not even close. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, well, of course we're here for My Main Man is Stare. Uh, It's really about kind of killing two birds with one stone on this one because I've always been curious about this film. I've always understood it to be kind of on the lower end of Fred's spectrum. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. (laughs) We're getting
0: through a decent amount of Fred as well. Yeah. We're covering a lot of Fred.
1: I I would say in uh, the course of the the looming special uh, that we will be doing this month, and just in the fact that I've watched so much of his his films. uh, Yeah. Uh, over the course of the podcast now, I think uh, we're pretty much dry the well <laughs> the well is dry that's good I mean, it's yeah. recovering
0: yeah we got a good Fred Astaire then yeah exactly on the uh, site
1: even to the point that the ones I really try to dig deep for uh, and potentially like flesh out for scheduling of this month, you know, they're, they're just hard to find. Like, we're running into mm. things that when people say, like, physical media is important and we're losing, like, like 70% of films made before 1950, right. uh, I'm, I'm encountering that with Fred Astaire movies, <laughs> you know, some of the lesser-known ones. So uh, Finian's Rainbow uh, is um, not only very late into Astaire's career, like Tom said, uh, coming two years before his official retiring from dancing, but it's also a G-rated family musical in a decade where Disney... Disney only had Mary Poppins as its uh, live action hit, or rather its only live action hit. Uh, that aspect is really eye opening with this film uh, because uh, tonally it's so unrefined, so proto. You know what I mean? This right. really felt like, oh wow, they just didn't know the rule book yet on making like family films. And uh, it, it feels confusing on who exactly this was made for because G rated is not how I would describe this
2: movie.
0: Oh, it's. Really?
1: Uh, it's it's G-rated in the sense that it's overall very innocent, but the, the concepts, I don't think, are for, like, every child, you know what I mean? More uh, adult, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because
0: Fred, anything usually Fred is attached to is just an easy, good time watch, right. kind of. exactly. Right, right Musical right. comedies and yeah. whatnot.
1: In this, Fred Astaire is Finian McLonergan, uh, an Irish immigrant that comes to America, I kid you not, Tom, to bury his pot of gold. <laughs> no less in a community near Fort Knox, uh, only to be followed by a real leprechaun he stole it from. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So that you know, seems very really nice, nice and fun. Weird. Family. For, yeah, weird. Yeah. Uh, well, you might think that's enough for a premise for a family musical. Mind-bogglingly, uh, the people of this community are the real focus of the story. This includes a tasteless tobacco cash crop subplot uh, where this hippie community is trying to develop menthol cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don Franks uh, is the love interest here. Uh, he's a little rapey as well. It's really not good. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the whole time I was kind of calling discount bin Sean Bean. Uh, if you want to look off the
0: <laughs> What? Yeah, for looks, the guy that was a little rapey.
1: Yeah, he looks like he looks like Sean Bean. He looks like oh, 1960s
0: Sean Bean. Is the guy? Is the character's name Og? No, or no. Woody Mahoney. Oh uh, no! <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it is Woody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I <laughs> I see a little Sean Bean. Yeah. I do.
1: Uh, worst of all is the villain uh, is a honestly a super racist senator that is after the land rights and who appears in blackface for half of the movie. I mean this is <laughs> wow. Did this just like it was barely a Fred movie. It was ba- it was barely a good musical and then it has just these t- tonally just garbage. Yeah, for, garbage for, for
0: 68 as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: And they again, I guess uh, <laughs> these menthol the plot is a uh, menthol cigarette cash crop and it's like what? <laughs> like
0: what? And Freddisir just has a pot of gold. He's trying to bury
1: right, and he comes to this this hippie community right, uh, and uh, he's just trying to bury it near Fort Knox because that's how he heard he could get away from the leprechaun. Wow. that's so. It's not even second fiddle.
0: It's it's like sixth fiddle <laughs> to this film. You know. Wait. So there's actually, did we get to see a bad leprechaun in this, or it's a fictional? Like it's just you do get to see you do always, get to oh, see oh, oh.
1: amidst all of these these real aspects like uh, the economy of tobacco, and, right. Right. and senators looking after land acquisition. Uh, yeah, you do actually get a magical leprechaun that's, like, super flamboyant and, like, singing and whatnot. So uh, it's it's real bad. It's it's real, real bad. That's what I said. I mean, I don't think that anything could really save this. Um, it's
0: just bonkers.
1: Yeah. So uh, not even a slightly good movie, folks, uh, but there are some aspects that I thought held up. I would say the musical sequences... Are very ambitious with a lot of dynamic camera work. Uh, I bring this up because I was kind of expecting just a dog on Cop- Coppola a little bit for yeah, this I'm yeah like, what are you doing you know directing this musical film wise and the filmmaking in Coppola, i can 't say i'm well versed enough with his directing that I could spot any trends, but it really was uh, a well shot film hmm. also i don 't comment this on, on on this too much, but I felt um, that the upscaling and the digital copy of this film was very good looking.
0: Oh, it sharpened I mean, it up a little bit? Exactly. Yeah. Especially
1: even in comparison to uh, a lot of the older films that we've watched on the podcast. I feel like there's always a problem with audio, uh, streaming services, the quality of the digital upgrade to right. it. Right, yeah. This I thought was excellent, so much so that, I was saying myself, as far as like the look of musicals, this looked better than Wonka, as far as colors and vibrancy. And really? Whatnot. Yeah. This is, I mean, it looked better than a new movies. So. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, but, that's just wow. Okay. But I would say that's that's uh, <laughs> that's about it for praise. Uh, <laughs> everything else, though, is a hard pass. Uh, I think the runtime is ultimately the source of the problems here, folks, uh, because it leaves so much space for. These dated aspects to just fester and rot, yeah. like just just two sour hours, milk. Two
0: hours and twenty one minutes. Yeah, no for way. what's supposed to be a kids' musical. <laughs>
1: right, <laughs> right. With where the kids' aspect, the kids' story of this right. fun leprechaun is again like so far, so in the back burner. It's not even <laughs> funny. Again, this community making experimental menthol tobacco. I mean, is it just like get these kids smoking? Is is sixty eight? You know, we don't we don't have the reports yet. I I, I don't know. I just found it just so incredibly tasteless. Uh, it's just ridiculous, and you know, like this this completely shoots itself in the foot as well because it just could have been a fun, cute little story about a leprechaun losing his powers as his gold is stolen. Uh, but I feel like they just try to make something that's slightly for adults too, and just completely failed. I mean, it's it's just it's just really really bad. Mainly that racist senator as well, who is supposed to be bad. He's made to be the villain. It just doesn't sit right with me. The, there are some mean spirited jokes no. that just they're, they're the black not... the blackface Doesn't sit <laughs> right. To the year twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't know say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, the, the jokes that are made at the expense of this blackface and and, and the racial jokes—they're not clear enough that they're. Their jokes in the first place, but also they're not clear enough that they're being made by like the 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 villains, if you will, the antagonists of the film. Right? There's
0: not enough sarcasm coming through. Exactly. Yeah. And, and self awareness. It
1: really just like wow. It, on top of the shock uh, of seeing the blackface, it was yeah. like oh, they're kind of doubling down a little bit with this. So
0: <laughs> again, in 68, like yeah. th- th- this movie. Besides the, all the color, mm-hmm. did this movie uh, feel like a 40s movie?
1: Um. Nah. No, it it felt very 60s, in that it was about this kind of, like, hippie commune. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Finian's Rainbow was a Broadway run and a book, Mm -hmm. and I think that was even in early 60s, if I'm correct. But, uh, but yeah. uh, uh, Overall, folks, uh, uh, amidst all of this garbage, I think Fred... Yeah, he comes out all right. <laughs> he, he's, he's all right. He's, he's got skin on. He's just not in the scenes that I have a problem with. So I was like, all right, right, don't even. he's not even in this movie. You know? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right with this. Um, the few dance numbers here are very gentle. Um, no heavy tap dancing here. Uh, I'd call this era his saucy, jazzy phase where he's almost like old man popping and locking. Um, he's just kind of like... <laughs> He like strikes a pose, and then he slowly strikes another pose, and, and, and that's basically his dance.
0: Yeah, I think he's around 69 now, 70 years old. Yeah. So it's just crazy that he's still doing these things. <laughs> right, he's doing anything. Yeah. Um,
1: actually, that Oscar performance uh, that we shouted out last July in, during Western Month, uh, I think it was for either man who shot Liberty Valance or...
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah,
1: um, th- that being his last performance. That's a perfect example of this, like, saucy, jazzy dancing wait, wait, that wait, he wait. does in his...
0: Wait, it's Fred Astaire?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I forget what, we, uh, what Oscar it was, it was tied to, but that same Oscar uh, year, uh, Fred comes out on stage and he does his last oh, dance oh, oh, I got you on no, film.
0: Yes, so. no, that was, I believe we were talking about, was Urban Cowboy. Uh, Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, I think it was for that. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which wasn't Western month. But sure. it it's cowboy. So
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it stands out. And I, I now think of it as in, in July. Yeah, <laughs>
0: definitely not Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, just because that was '62. Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
1: makes sense. That makes sense. But if you're looking for that, the the example of this kind of saucy, jazzy uh, dancing, uh, that's that's a perfect example of it. But um, but when it comes to his <laughs> comedy chops. You know, he really doesn't miss a beat here. I feel his musical comedy background makes him flexible to fit in most scenes, despite his kind of older style. Uh, the only trouble is, once again, like I've said now multiple times in this, he's arguably fourth, sixth, 18th fiddle in uh, in a film that is just largely hot garbage. We're going to go ahead and give Finian's Rainbow, 1968,
0: a 25. Ooh, 25. Uh, it's real bad. Yeah, it's a bad one. It's a bad a one for bad. him. Yeah. Twenty five percent. Not very good. Not yeah. very good. Uh, arguably, could be lower. I would say maybe the
1: songs kind of hold up a little bit. Like I said, there wasn't didn't have a problem with the musical aspects. It was just all this like lip service around a plot that just didn't That's, need to. It's, be a, there. it's like, a bonkers plot, <laughs> yeah, and at two hours
0: and twenty one minutes, it's. it's yeah. <laughs> Twenty-five is good because that says that we should all stay away from. <laughs> yes,
1: it. Yes, yes, it's a it's a real steer clear score. So.
0: <laughs> okay, so we're taking a big jump in 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 genre, in tone. <laughs> so we're going straight. This is our third De Palma film that we're doing. This is nineteen eighty-three. And it's a big one. You I mean, sound exhausted. <laughs> this is scar. Well, I'm just preparing myself. That's all it is. I'm preparing myself. This is 1983's Scarface. Finn. Mm. So uh, you knew earlier in the week. I did watch. I watched three movies this week. So yes, I did yes. watch Scarface <laughs> uh, and Layer Cake and Argyle. But Brian De Palma. Cool. I, we, we said it last episode. Um, I think I made a comment where his first two, his 80 film and 80, no, was 81 and 82 yep. film, Blowout yep. and. Dressed to Kill, mm-hmm. very contained, very contained within their cities. Sure. Uh, you just had your main kind of set cast of not too many, you know, just a, just half a dozen, not even. Mm-hmm. And a year later, he's got Oliver Stone writing. Yeah. And he's making a basically almost three-hour crazy yeah, right. mobster film
1: super ambitious uh yeah uh, I, I that goes
0: places yeah. big story <laughs> yep, yep. a lot of stuff like just the up the this upscaling in production mm, is what well. yeah is yeah. what surprises me the most about just his trajectory here yeah yeah but scarface how did you like it
1: well I, this was a uh, a pleasure to to rewatch cuz of course growing up you know i i was super into gangster films uh, i loved uh, any kind of gangster film, and revisiting this. Uh, Scarface is just such an anomaly even within its kind of gangster landscape because uh, of the specific things that the Palma is trying to kind of subvert. Even in comparison to, you know, the exploitation films that we talked about on the special, uh, The Godfather Part 1 and 2, uh, you know, all of this is pretty good, fellas, and I feel like we talk a lot about on the, you know, the wave, the tidal wave mm. that Goodfellas created in reshaping how a crime movie is done. Um, this is is enjoyable because you see that it's a little bit rough around the edges, but De Palma really is trying to shake things up. And, and let me start by saying, folks, um, this De Palma study it hasn't been super great. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tom and I were joking about it. And, you know, the, these studies are about exploring directors I haven't seen. And that comes with some risk and quality. So, uh, you know, while there isn't a split screen in this one, I do think slightly, slightly not, not a huge amount of appreciation, but I do think yeah. rewatching or rather watching these uh, awful The Palma movies have uh, enriched my rewatching this a tiny bit. Um, uh, It helped me see Tony Montana as more of a pulp villain, uh, side by side with the killer characters Mm -hmm. we've seen so far in Mm -hmm. these films. But those other movies did not have Al Pacino, (laughs) which uh, I love dearly in this. Uh, Scarface is a gangster movie classic that eclipses the original 1932 classic by the same name that this is roughly based off of. Tony Montana is an immigrant that comes to Florida amidst the Cuban crime wave of the 1980s. Uh, the story being singularly focused on his rise to power, and his famous bullishness that knocks him up the crime ladder again and again. Uh, it's that mob movie formula to a T. Uh, that yeah. uh, rise and fall story that almost requires being told in maybe three hours. If there's anything connective tissue to all these mob movies, is that they're all super long. They are
0: they, are. they are. <laughs> yeah. tell a story. That's for sure.
1: Exactly. Uh, I gotta say, folks, I want. I want to give a shout out to Tom though, because Tom has been killing it with his watch list <laughs> the past couple of weeks. Tom,
0: you want to talk about your week after well, watching Scarface? Well, no, I just went for it. I was in. Yeah, I watched Scarface mm-hmm. and then immediately went ahead and started the original one, right from thirty two. Especially when I found out that Howard Hawks mm-hmm. uh, does it, and actually, at the end of Scarface, De Palma says this film was dedicated to Howard yes, Hawks, which yes. is awesome. Yep. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this. Yeah, and so I watched most of it. No, <laughs> oh, you did finish uh, it. <laughs> uh, there's pro <laughs> pros and cons to it. Okay, and then I just went on a ho- went on a Hawks tear. So <laughs> then I watched I watched Rio Bravo, yeah. El Dorado. Oh no, what was the other one? Rio Lobo, yeah. which is called the Rio Bravo trilogy. Oh, really? Okay, they're almost the same film. Very interesting. Kind of awesome. Uh, Rio Lobo goes other places, but. Yeah, I oh. think that's great. Oh, I and, I, I, yeah. I love that so much. I and, wish that was Red my week. Yeah, and I watched Red River. <laughs> oh, Red River, classic, <laughs> great. Um,
1: yeah, honestly, I I thought this was great that you did this because I did not have the bandwidth to go to the original Scarface. Yeah. and something I've always asked myself around this film is that is there any connective tissue? I think prior to the yeah. podcast, I just kind of just denied that there was connective tissue. Uh, because the stories are so different, because this Scarface is so specifically about, you know, the, the Cuban angle, what, yeah. what, is, what is
2: the... So
0: there, there's a lot of tone and maybe things that happen with our main character. Okay. Because uh, they they're both following a book. Mm-hmm. So the book came out, I want to say, in, like, 28? Yeah, yeah. Right, is that right? Yeah. And then the original film was 32, mm-hmm. and then this in, in, in 83. So... Montana, I I, forget, I honestly even forget the main guy's name is Tony. Isn't
1: he supposed to be Al Capone? Yes. Uh, so essentially,
0: original? he's Al Capone. Yep. But I, but Montana is the last name still, I believe. Oh, really? But essentially, what Hawks does is he bases it about a guy who goes from small time in the mob, small time Mm. kind of gangster, Mm -hmm. the way up to the top. Yep. And he uses real life violence, gangster violence that happened in real life Mm. in the movie. Apparently all the killings in Mm -hmm. the film is what actually happened in real life. Interesting. It has a lot to do with the making of the Tommy gun as Mm -hmm. well. And what was the huge, I always forget the name of the massacre. I think it's called something. The Valentine's Day Massacre. Yes. Okay. So that's in there. That's a big part of the scene. Mm -hmm. And it's about this main guy, Montana rising through the ranks. Oh, now Hawks even has um I was telling you during the week mm-hmm. that in the beginning of the film he has white text up yep. and the whole idea is Hawks is putting a is is highlighting this mm-hmm. and all the crime that's going on and the death mm-hmm. uh in the community and he it's it's an outcry for the government to do something about it mm-hmm. but then Hawks being very Hawks right? very yeah. I don't know it's, it's you just get to uh, the sense of the guy. Bullish, yeah. I guess you could say. Bullish and <laughs> and yeah, I don't even know what the, you know. There were weren't really conservatives back then, mm. but very much uh, not only is he saying that for the government to do something, but then he reminds everyone saying that you, the people, are the government. What are you going to do about <laughs> wow,
1: it? Wow, uh, it's super call to action.
0: And this. then there's actually my favorite scene of the film. Actually, had nothing to do with the main character uh-huh. and had I think it was a it was a newspaper guy. The townspeople were pissed that the newspapers were publicized were, were mm. publishing this mm-hmm. and making it more of a thing. And he mm. just goes on this tear which really he takes the place of Howard Hawks wow. in this, what are you going to do about it? This is a people's problem. And he, you know, he's, he's just a, he's a newspaper salesman. So he mm. tries to flip it around basically yeah, 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 yeah. on the people who are upset at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so similar, but anyway, that's that it's worth a watch for film history mm. and just kind of how, maybe De, what De Palma grabs from this. sure, uh, Because there are things, it's not just a complete world. Well, we're just going to redo this. And I can see how De Palma did a little bit of a love letter yeah, uh, to, to the original one. For sure. There, there's elements in there. So, I enjoyed it. Uh, is it anything to do with Cuban culture? Anything to do with Florida and Miami? Mm, not, no. no, no. So New York, but the broad strokes
1: and- of this is a, a criminal that pushes his way up the crime ladder. That's the structure. That's the skeleton. Still. Yes,
0: and okay. an over-the-top guy who does not care because mm-hmm. Tony Montana is an asshole, mm-hmm. and it. I mean, it's beyond you know eye for an eye. It's way, it's mm-hmm. way past sure. that. And this guy is very over the top. His apparently at the time, Italians kind of found it offensive a little bit with how sure. over-the-top the main actor was sure, trying to be sure. Italian. I kind of agree. Ooh. And then I look at Tony Soprano, or um, Tony Soprano, I look uh, at Tony Montana, yeah. played by Al Pacino, and it's just it's, like,
1: well, I mean, you know. <laughs> maybe it's just a book go, that, Kind of you know. goes hand-in-hand hand a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, definitely the same deal with, like, over-the-top guys mm. being very bombastic, sure. very just... Thick headed to the max. Mm. So good to see. It was fun to pair them together. I
1: I like hearing what you said that it was based off of semi real uh, events. Um, You know, De Palma writing the, or De Palma making this film in 83, this is very topical to him, but also he incorporates real. Crime events. Um, perfect example is uh, the chainsaw scene uh, that there were reports in Miami that, uh, or in Florida. Oh, that, I don't know if I knew you this. You know, there was there was a, a famous uh, a drug deal gone wrong, and then you know, a guy running in the streets with a chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> so maybe he's the uh, Palma is taking that inspiration, you know, and, and trying to you know update it with yeah, with sounds like it. Structure. Yeah. But so it
0: was a cool step in history. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting.
1: I think that's great. I, I, you know, that, that, that takes some balls. We, we floated around a, uh, a pre code, uh, film special where we would watch these old movies. Scarface is definitely one of those pre code ones. Yeah. was the violence in, in the old one?
0: Uh, for, for 32, yeah. really good. It, oh, okay. It, it gets to a point where it's like, well, it's pretty good, actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was expecting it to, to really soft handed with, yeah, it, you right. know what I mean?
1: But those, those are the films that started the, the ratings boards and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, and the... so I, you know, I was hoping if there's going to be a little little brutal.
0: There were critics at the time that refused to see or refused to write about it because they felt the film was too violent. Wow. Which is so funny. So Howard Hawks was, you know, and he was younger when he made that as well. Mm -hmm. It's funny to think so far back in these huge directors how they were pushing the envelope mm. because to us, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's I yeah. mean that's you really watch it and it has nothing to do with Tarantino. I mean, <laughs> Tarantino is eons away from it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but because Hawks was clearly pushing the envelope at the time, it felt ahead of its time mm. uh, as Interesting. a film. So, Interesting.
1: yeah, I, I I love that the the one the one real connected tissue is that they're both uh, assholes. The the Tony Montana character, in, yeah, in the, in the original, a bit big
0: time, a big time. <laughs>
1: And uh, I think that's where we can kind of bridge back to, uh, you know, the the Scarface we all know and, and maybe don't love. Uh, I think over the years, the reception of this film has fluctuated wildly. I can safely say that if you're not into this Tony Montana character, if you're not into Al Pacino, this is not going to work for you. Uh, it is so <laughs> oh. singularly focused on that, and and for three hours, uh, again. Um, uh, now, I can totally understand the critiques of Al Pacino's acting. Uh, it's very easy to pigeonhole his act- accent work uh, and even the body language of the character. But the argument... I'll make and the the sword I'll fall on for my boy Pacino is that, you know Tony is an idiot intentionally, you know this feels like a character with zero book smarts but all of the street smarts and plenty of instinct. Yeah. This is shown in nearly every character interaction as well. I, I think it's reinforced mm. by the supporting roles in this film. You know, Tony seizes more power, he acquires more powerful friends that are always just stunned how stupid he is. <laughs> you know I mean? Multiple <laughs> lines are just like, man, you're something else, Tony. You know? <laughs> like Not even knowing what to say, and, and especially not wanting to piss him off. You know, this is not your calculated mobster. Uh, Tony is a wild tiger, you know, aligned with his pur- purchases. He's a pusher and the story is about how that recklessness gets him everything until he pushes it all away Pacino's performance is no doubt entertaining in just kind of like wow he's just he's just going crazy uh, in this but I personally see quality in the dead stares he gives the uh, the The quiet fury of of Tony Montana. You know, he's not saying slick lines. Yeah. Uh, It's all in his actions. And I feel like where I stand by this performance for Al Pacino is that he sells a scary criminal character in that he lacks awareness. He lacks perspective to act logically. Yeah. He's just just this wild tiger. He's just this pusher, basically.
0: So I I know people... I'm kind of with you on this. Okay. Like, I kind of like his performance. Yeah. yeah. I think it's enjoyable to watch for, um, you know, almost three hours. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're saying. He exudes a certain energy, Mm -hmm. and it's through his acting where you get to feel this guy. Yeah. In real life, if you're at a bar or something Mm -hmm. like that, if you just get close, you don't even have to have an interaction where you just feel like someone might be. A little bit of psychopathic, <laughs> yeah, a little or dangerous, toot- or, or it, it gets nasty when they drink, and you can just kind of feel it. There's an aura in the room. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he exudes that great on screen, yep. mm-hmm. and for that reason, you know, accent aside, the accent's not terrible. Right. It, it's it's interesting. <laughs>
1: I love it, but yeah, I, I yeah, that's I, I, I kind of I just understand both sides of the
0: coin. Yeah, and I I kind of like it as well. Yeah, because honestly, if we had a more muted version of him, mm-hmm. automatically less entertaining film,
1: right? And we would understand the character less. Yeah, uh, as just and idiot, you know? I also think it's, um, there's a, in the legacy of this film, among all mob gangster films, yeah. there is a love affair with Tony Montana that I feel like blurs the true intention of this. In that he's not meant to be a likable character. We're watching the villain among villains, yeah.
0: basically. So he's almost uh, never likable exactly in any scene. In any scene. <laughs>
1: so I feel um, you know this movie that has been so revered and is among like the the cool guy film mob movie type of uh, thought process, I feel like it really does lose the point of what De Palma is trying to get across with this character, and possibly even the original, that it's a semi-moral example that um, you know this is not someone to look up to. This is an
0: anti-hero story. Yes, but he does boil down to every guy's dumb side of his brain a little bit. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there's a relatable, like, oh yeah, like, go, go, say hello to my little friend. Hell yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, it does boil down to, to <laughs> something that's all in us. Yeah, right, right.
1: But uh, I think I think on these kind of deeper notes of Scarface, I think a great running theme is eyes uh, mm. showing the true desires of characters and often reve- revealing how simple these characters are. Um, of course, this is embodied in the famous line, uh, ooh, I'm going to try it. the chick go and never lie.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm, I liked right. it. No, no, no. It was good. It was good. Yeah. sorry you went. <laughs> I was looking for immediate gratification. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tony is the simplest of all. And with him not having the smarts to untangle the schemes of his counterparts, it becomes his only gauge around pe- for, for people around him. This obsession definitely hits on the storyline with his his sister, uh, the obsession, I feel like, with cameras towards the end, uh, and the iconic, you know, I always... <laughs> the thing is, I always remember his monitors as more than just, you know... Just a couple uh, cameras. six, six monitors. Yeah, I, always, yeah, I, remember, yeah. oh. I always remember it as, like, a wall of monitors, and I was, it's just, like, six monitors. <laughs> but you can see that he's... In in the the coke filled rage, the delusions uh, compounding with this character, yeah. eyes become this only thing. Uh, perspective becomes this only truth for him, where everyone is scheming around him and trying to control him in a lot of ways. Uh, I think it was it's just it's it's always in combination with how. The reception of Tony Montana is is skewed a lot. Uh, On top of that as well, I I like this theme of eyes that runs through it. Uh, it, That felt the Palma once again, where he kind of takes, I don't know, one element of a criminal character and he blows it out. He kind of
0: enhances it a little bit. Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I also have to take a second just to shout out a few aspects that I just, I love. Uh, uh, You know, the soundtrack here is super nostalgic for me. I had this on CD growing up. I also played the shit out of the uh, <laughs> the Scarface video game, which was just a soulless Grand Theft Auto rip-rip-off. <laughs> okay. like, a soulless Grand Theft Auto. What console r- was it on? Uh, PS2. Okay, nice, uh, nice. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I just... I think with the music here, I love the music stings. As as cheesy, as Casio keyboard as they may be. Yeah, as
0: 80s, it's as it feels. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I think this coming out in 83 really, you know, sets the tone. This is... Before the big iconic hits of the decade have come through, uh, your Top Guns and whatnot, uh, and I feel like um, there's something there that uh, there's. Uh, I want to give credit to kind of the trend setting aspect of that. Of that. Screen. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Scene wise, uh, you know, this is has one of my favorite chainsaw scenes in all of film. It's. Not the most – I always thought it was very intense, but it's not the most actually visually gory or no. or intense. I feel like for me, it hits as such a powerful scene when you see the look on Pacino's eyes, uh, this almost drunkness uh, of, of what he's seeing. And it's, a, I think, a great example of you don't need to show – the atrocity or the horror itself it can be shown through the reactions of characters and certainly that will be a concept we return to for the zone of interest Uh, so i I was very much appreciating restraint but also letting your actors have a platform to sell what's really going on there something about that chainsaw scene as well it just really sells the fear of a bad drug deal you know, the crime is not super stylish at that point. Right, right. Um, and the scare comes from how messy the whole scene feels. I mean, it just feels chaotic. No one's really in control. I know. It.
0: And it, it's funny because I have never actually sat down and watched this all the way through okay. just once. Mm-hmm. And so it was good to do that. And I was maybe expecting more because mm. you always hear about it. Yep. I almost feel like the, the film was hindered for me because we all know so much about the film or sure. meme, memes of the film, lines of the film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I know it already Mm, without mm -hmm. really knowing it. So stepping into that scene, I was expecting uh, just more gore and more everything. But you're right where it also sold the character more where Tony does not care about anyone else. (laughs) He really cares for number one as well. I thought that was – a very good scene to help that out mm-hmm. of, of us understanding who this guy is. Yeah, he
1: says it's his brother, it's not his brother, you know. Right, yeah. It's 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 all it's all just to he also get, lets get the it deal like across. he also just
0: does he doesn't say anything. Yeah, <laughs> it just happens kind of, yeah, right, you know. Right. Yeah, he doesn't say no, you know, right. don't do that. Yeah, but uh,
1: it's it's in that like the almost the drunkenness. I always uh, when when he's when yeah, he's yeah. Yeah. you know, seeing what's going on, we don't see what's going on. I just feel like man that uh, that's just uh, such a, such a such a great scene uh, and 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 just again, uh, just a little bit of a love affair with this one. I love the scenes with his mother because it breaks what is already a trend, a trope, a meme of these gangster films that the mother's just like, oh, you making money? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, his mother denies him. And talk yeah, about constantly. a great performance from, a, you know, I don't know who this actress is, you know. Oh, I know. Um, I, I, just really, like, a great scene of, of, of her denying him. It's just, I love it. Love it to death. And folks, I, I've seen this movie so many times uh, that I, I found it, It's hard for me to gauge what a first time experience for that reason, uh, what that would be, especially when it comes to critiques and expectations. I already tackled uh, a big one with Pacino's performance, and the, uh, you know, if you don't dig them, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do this <laughs> film, uh, but if I'm being realistic, uh, a very understandable one, uh, a very understandable jab at the film could be this long-ass runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, it It's a lot, and it really consumed my thoughts around this film, uh, you know, walking into this with a very positive rating. I gave it back pre-podcast, uh, but these pre-podcast scores have become a bit of a puzzle for myself. Uh, since I've come so far in watching just a huge catalog of films, I look at old scores now, I'm like, I gotta find the love again. I gotta find what what sparked in me mm, because yeah. Scarface, I've easily seen seven times, this now probably being the eighth time I've seen it. You know, I, I needed to kind of almost see it with new eyes, both for the good and the bad. Right, right. Uh, and I'm happy to say that Even though my critical eyes can spot the problems with this, I still can be surprised how strong the rewatch holds up for everything. I fell in love with the first time. I just, I I hope in the blanket recommendation uh, for folks at home to watch this, I hope that at least those valid critiques didn't really sink the whole experience uh, for, for the rewatch at home. With that said, we are going to give Scarface 1983... Already established the well-deserved 81.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent score, 81%. And I really liked it. Again, I was almost thought that the film was hurt a little bit watching it because I've already not only have it, not, I have seen bits and pieces of mm-hmm. it before, uh, but because it's so memeable. Absolutely. You know, because it just has such a culture. The people who like it have such yep. a culture with it and everything. The
1: electric scenes are also already spoiled for you. Um, of course. You know what I mean? These are meant to be the big payoff for the film, but we all know them yeah. eh, because of pop culture.
0: But, I mean, I have to say, still sitting down and watching it all the way through, um, I think the runtime is granted or warranted. Okay. Uh, I, I look at it almost as if you're playing a video game and and you're Tony Montana. It's just he's constantly leveling up or he has a <laughs> new boss, a new challenge. That's why it was a pretty good game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a new challenge on his way up. So. Yeah. There's very little that I would actually want to go back and cut because mm. I want to see the rise. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, there's actually he makes his first couple jumps up, yep. and I almost want that to be fleshed out a little bit more. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because it's important to see how you know when you're at the end and we're at this scene that everyone is aware of. Mm-hmm. You know, this this 15 minute scene. Mm-hmm. I want it to be earned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't want it to seem like. I wanted to feel as real as possible. Mm. We get to see this guy's struggle of how he got there. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so the runtime, I think, is great. I th- I don't know if I would really. I mean, would I change things? Sure, but would I just cut things out or mm. leave, can leave that out? No, because I think the rise. I mean, it is the film. Yeah, the rise is the film of Tony Montana. Yeah, yeah, and that's so. that
1: gangster movie. It's 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 the rise and fall structure uh, of it that you need time for it to feel real.
0: Yeah, and I almost feel. I'm impressed with the Palma for doing this in '83. Yeah, because you're right. What Goodfellas did for movies in general, mm-hmm. and especially mob movies, mm-hmm. um, I'm maybe it's hard to say. I'm not as impressed with Goodfellas because mm-hmm. I love that film. Sure, sure. But it's like, yeah, that template is here. Mm. You know, we do see some of that already. Yeah. yeah. So it's a great film. Not gonna give it two shoes, but I, I really enjoyed it. Even thinking back to the old one, then by the way, too, mm. I totally forgot that there was a whole subplot. Of, um, don't tell me menthol no, no, no. credit. <laughs> but of the main character, Tony, him, because the main character is Tony. I don't uh-huh. know if he's Montana or not. The same thing with his sister sister starts getting involved with his friends and oh, the pink and he's just really? like uh, even when he pulls her out uh-huh. he takes a second to like shut up he screams shut up at her uh-huh. same thing with al pacino mm-hmm. in the uh, bathroom stall yes yes uh that and uh i totally forgot he went for what was his higher up then mm-hmm. becomes his equal then he surpasses he goes wow, for his woman
1: wow and that's of course michelle pfeiffer yes wow. yes i don't
0: know the actress in the original yeah, but i yeah, forgot yeah. The, um, <laughs> a lot of similarities a lot of similarities interesting
1: interesting so yeah i i That's that's always something that I've I've questioned. I said, yeah, maybe inspired, but not like they they even credit you know the the original book with it. But I guess you know in a lot of ways uh, it really is uh, that formula. Maybe that also a lot can be said about just all mob movie forming. You know, the gangster movie is is set. All the way back it's, in thirty two. It's so true. It's know? so true. Yeah. It's
0: so true. So that was very cool to go see. But still, the big thing is eighty one percent for Scarface. Mm. I love that we've got it on the podcast. Yeah, I yep. love that we have it on the podcast. Absolutely. Now.
1: Uh, only, le- only thing left for the diploma study is Body Double, and, and honestly, the the reason why I'm covering it is because they say it's his most iconic. So,
0: uh, like well, I said, not so- What do you mean most iconic? How I is Scarface know. not his most Isn't iconic? Isn't that crazy? Who says this?
1: Uh, people. people uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get sources. I'll get sources. <laughs> no, but um, when, when it comes down to it, I, I'm really—I have high hopes for Body Double because I can Careful only imagine then. coming off the success of Scarface at the time that he would have yeah he have... could probably be like
0: alright I can get a stinker in there <laughs> everyone's gonna let it go <laughs> for you, I one think for you me? should be careful yeah. look what dressed to kill did to the both of us <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then blow out the next week <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, not that, so, this is our last of the De Palma study. Not that we covered all De Palma. Yeah. But this is the year of where he does 81, 82, 83, yeah. 84, which is just insane. Like right. a crazy movie run. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Just a complete psycho. And, and I think we could safely say maybe quality suffers because of the the, the cadence of, uh, of, yeah. of him making films. Yes. You know? Yes, yeah. definitely. So.
0: Uh, and prop- And I'll say, I said in the beginning, Scarface also written by Oliver Stone. Yes. And just Oliver Stone, I believe. Yeah. Or yep. adapted by him, you know. Sure, sure. So. Um, You know what I mean? It's just he's working with like... It's crazy. Mm. Those first two years and then the Scarface. Right. And with what he's got going on. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to take a jump to 19... I'm sorry. No. 2004. (laughs) This is an English-made film directed by English director Matthew Mm -hmm. Vaughn. This was... This, was this his debut?
1: Uh, I think so. Okay. Uh, he might have done small stuff, but uh, debut as as feature. feature film. Yep.
0: Uh, it, it was an under $10 million budget. It is called Layer Cake. Again, it's 04. This has Daniel Craig in it. <laughs> I said last week, if you <laughs> want to know how Daniel Craig ended up getting the job or why they called him in the first place, yep. uh, it was him in the top three. It was him, Orlando Bloom, and I forget the third guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch Layer Cake. That's yeah, how he yeah. got into that room, Absolutely. With the broccoli. it re-
1: it really hits too. Uh, as far as both a, like a fun like Hollywood production story, but also like when you watch this film, he it's, has those scenes where he kind of acts like James Bond as a joke, and then it's like, oh wow, he, I, it's he's unreal. got the magic, you I know? know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know his character hates guns. Yeah, and then yeah. He gets a, the first time he touches a gun, it's I like, <laughs> oh,
0: he's doing James Bond, and right. he looks c- c- cool as hell. Absolutely. Uh, let's get into Layer Cake a little bit. Vin, and also, how'd you like it? Uh, well, this was
1: a rewatch. This was rated Preak podcast, and uh, I would say I fully stand by it. Much like Scarface, uh, this was uh this was a solid, solid movie. For layer cake, long before Matthew Vaughn's mainstream success making action films, um, you know the feel of his movies was much closer to his other peers like Guy Ritchie, and Danny Boyle, uh, mainly, especially in the early two thousands. Mm. A CD UK underground, slick talking characters, and of course a stylish needle drop soundtrack, all wrapped up in the rule of cool. That's kind of really defines the early careers of all three of these directors. All of this might sound par for the course in 2005, but... I would say watching this honestly blew my mind a little bit comparing it to <laughs> anything else Matthew Vaughn has done. It's really something else. Uh, uh, like I commented on the beginning, Tom. Yeah, I, I would say rewatching this was refreshing. Uh, if that kind of makes sense. Oh my gosh, yes. I did watch this after Argyle, so there's that you know refreshing aspect. But you know, side by side, this makes Argyle look like a child's coloring book uh, okay. rather than a film. You know, especially with the tacky twists out of everywhere where. This is actually very obsessed with its twists but does so in just so much more of a... I don't know, an earned way, a digestible way. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, yeah. One big thing with this is it doesn't hold your hand mm-hmm. to the point where the first couple of times I watched this, I wasn't picking up on any everything. Sure. Def- oh, definitely, absolutely. my first watch through, mm-hmm. I still remember just being how confused I was <laughs> yeah. at what's going on here, right? Especially the accents and you know, kind of understanding it. Yeah. yeah, the characters that weave in and out. Yep. And well, it's also that's why it's called layer cake. You yep. know, it's, yep. it's about the layers of the film and all the in, entangled kind of underworld of crime. Yep. But I love how much it doesn't hold your hand, where Matthew Vaughn has become directing just idiotic, stupid <laughs> films that, that absolutely hold your hand, puts you on training wheels, oh, push you out sure. the door. To absolutely. the point where, I mean, honestly, Argyle, we're obviously going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's it's as far as a film goes, or if I made a film, the people I want to watch it, mm-hmm. of course the thing is everybody, but sure. the people I want to watch it – Yeah. Matthew Vaughn went from somewhere where, like, I want adults to see my films and to be challenged a little bit and to just enjoy the story Mm -hmm. to today – we're all just the characters, the people in Wally. and we float around <laughs> in our chairs, and we have our big gulps, wow. and we're just idiots. And we're just idiots, and we watch Argyle. <laughs> and we watch Argyle. Um, That's amazing. I-, I love that. To me, it's not the same director. <laughs> yeah, even. yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, Argyle apparently was $200 million, <sighs> and this was something like $6.5 six million, yeah, $7.5 yeah, million, right. something. This is going in my top five. Uh, actually, no. I think this goes in top three under 20 million dollar film.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: I just Be yeah. curious what else is I in started there. trying to curtail the list basically yeah, yeah, yeah. once and I, I mean like maybe past 1990, 1995. Sure, sure. But I think number 1 is Whiplash and number 2 is Layer Cake.
1: Oh, I like that. I like that a lot, Tom. Because
0: what they're able to do with the mm, film. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they go, the amount of characters on screen. And the interlaced storyline in mm-hmm. characters. Uh it's it's just impressive, man. And the yeah, writing's great. Absolutely. And where this guy's go, I am not as hot as Kings Kingsman with you. Uh sure, sure. Uh, I, I can understand that. You kinda like the first one and then the, uh, yeah. the third one you also kinda liked. The King's yeah. Man. Just
1: because something. it was a, a refresh of the setting a little bit, uh, like the World War One spin, but um, Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I I think the Kingsman, definitely a cult following on it action-wise, can kind of just blend into the loud obnoxiousness of of his
0: later movies. And just not impressed by it. It seems the more money you give this guy, the worse his products get. Sure. He relies on stuff that isn't real and the CGI-heavy stuff Mm. where when you give him a a tight budget like this, you're relying on character development, writing a decent script. Yep. And just and and just directing your characters on screen, absolutely. Also,
1: anomaly because the writer, I think it's J.J. Connolly or something like that.
0: Uh, Um,
1: It's it's like a once and done. He's it's the only thing he's written. It's wild.
0: I'm sure we could do a deep dive and they know each other or something like that. Yeah, sure, sure. So impressed with this film to the point where, like I said, it felt like two different directors. Absolutely, absolutely. I look at him now. I put him in the basket of of Ryan Johnson, Mm, right? I think is is it Ryan Johnson, the creep (laughs) that did the, the creep. The bad Star Wars. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Knives Out, yeah. Yes. Uh, I definitely look. I put him in that.
1: I think that's a phenomenal observation, especially with how uh, ballooning budgets kind of ruin the magic of the earlier works of yeah. those directors.
0: I was thinking about this today. I mean, I think Layer Cake can, can stand up, as far as a first director, directorial type thing, mm-hmm. like a memento for mm-hmm. Chris Nolan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I look at Matthew Vaughn now. As if Chris Nolan, after Memento, were watching him do like Red Notice on Netflix. <laughs> you know?
1: Right. Imagine if Red Notice was like told backwards. <laughs> right.
2: So,
0: after Layer Cake, it's like, give this guy the money, keep sure, him making movies. And sure. then you realize what a huge mistake you've made. Yeah. But, yeah. um, Anyway, that's a lot. I just kind of took your initial no, thoughts to me. No, no, I ran love that. And, and, and also, talk
1: about a, a fantastic hot take on uh, on how <laughs> budgets affected. I think that's uh, that's really, really excellent, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I would say again, more than anything, compare these films side by side. It it's clear as day. Uh, and if anything, I would encourage uh, definitely watching Layer Cake, even. Um, even for the Matthew Vaughn appreciators, because I think he's really hit a a great pace here and and just the the right balance of cool without being corny. Um, As for the setup here, Layer Cake stars a very young Daniel Craig who is exceedingly good at dealing cocaine. He's like the best (laughs) at dealing cocaine. Uh, (laughs) The title, of course, referring to the layers of complications stacking on top of him as he's just about to leave the game. Uh, While certainly the slickest character in his crew, he is ultimately just one fish swimming in a very dangerous pond, and the other sharks, jealous of his success, push him into one last job, which, uh, I mean, wildly spirals out of control for every remaining minute of the film. It's not twist for twist's sake, I feel like the twists in this, the introductions of new characters the wool pulled over your eyes for certain portions of the story, it's all in service to selling this criminal environment as more chaotic than we know. Yeah. uh, Where... Uh, almost like, um, almost like uh, Fincher's *The Killer*. Uh, our beginning mm. t- is thinking he knows everything, and the film is all about subverting that. You know, for the for the rest of the the runtime. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I really do love the cast here, uh, which is you know predictably wide, like uh, all of all of Von's films. But uh, something about all of them being so young and startups works. So I'm talking Tom Har- Hardy, yeah. uh, Sally Hawkins, uh, Burn Gorman, uh, and of course Daniel Craig. All show why they're Able to have. and Winshaw, too. Yeah. Who we yeah. see is Q with oh, Daniel Craig. Oh, ben. that's right. Yeah. Yes, that's right. They all show why they have staying power on screen, and obviously the careers kind of fluctuate of how successful they are, but uh, I, I really did enjoy that. And script-wise, the tangled mess of this underworld gives them substance even though they might not be on screen very long. Uh, Tom Hardy is a perfect example. Cool as ice. I think he says four lines. I know, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and boy, is that a lesson that Argyle needs to, needs to learn from, because uh, there is something that these characters aren't on screen for long, they do still have impact where uh, we'll get to it,
0: you know. There's
1: casting decisions that don't do anything (laughs) in Argyle, so. I'll kind of jump on that,
0: and I think what you could also boil down to Matthew Vaughn back then to Va- Matthew Vaughn now mm-hmm. is respecting competent characters. Mm. Everyone is competent in this film yeah. except for the guy that clearly is supposed to be the idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Where <laughs> in these in now the modern day films, his stuff. So many people are idiots. Mm. So much of the cast it's just kind of dumb because it's such a dumb film. Mm, yep, yep. You know?
1: Absolutely. absolutely, And it's all for the joke too. It's all oh, yeah. uh the joke rots away uh, everything. I mean, so. if there's
0: so cole Meany and Michael Gambon who's yep. phenomenal to um uh who's Oh, uh,
1: it's uh it's uh O'Brien from Star Trek. Uh, it's from Star Trek Next Gen. Are we
0: uh, it's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Colmane. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's Cole Meany. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, George George Harris, kind of his right, uh, Daniel Craig's right-hand man. Yep. Everybody is smart, mm. and it's so good. It's and that's so good. compelling enough main... to right. keep
1: your attention. You know, they don't need to be yeah, cracking jokes. You know, every every, mi- every minute uh, on screen. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say my main critique here is exactly my first initial reception of the film is that is how the story is delivered, how the layer cake is layered. Um, Scene after scene, Daniel will be whisked between different associates and crime lords, all delivering a boatload of exposition. Now, again, because of this underworld, that exposition is interesting, but... It's, it's really just how they're put back-to-back is is what I ha- think I have okay. a problem with. You know, Sometimes we get an action or a sexy scene in between, but too often in the edit, these dialogue dumps will be bookended with each other. And it's just, after a while, and again, I, you know, I'm not really knocking like British accents, but after a while, you kind of just get lost in how you, much dialogue can is being get pushed lost. towards you.
0: It, it is a lot. It is a lot. And yeah. it, to the point where a lot of the movie is just guys talking in rooms. Right, exactly. Uh, from this room to that room yeah. to the golf course. Room <laughs> yeah. you know, to the back office. Yeah. It is a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, Any but,
1: individual one of those scenes, I enjoyed. It's more so in the edit how they're back to back. Sometimes, right? The consistency is too yeah. constant. Too right. consi- yeah. Exactly. And I, I even if it would have been, you know, maybe on the other hand, I would have critiqued it for being formulaic if there was always an action scene breaking up these in between. But yeah, it, overall, that it, it was really the same type of feeling that I had from watching it that I'm paying attention, I'm maybe losing some small bits of it, but I wish I was in, you know able to get every crumb.
0: And I, I think it's for that reason that this film always I'm always shocked to see how not long it is because it feels yeah. longer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of that happens because we rely so much on dialogue and dialogue yeah, scenes, and absolutely. there's not much to break it up. And when we do, it's very short. Absolutely. So it's an hour and 45. It feels like it's two 210.: two, Yeah. yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: I think it's no mystery that our director's trademark is mashing music to slick action sequences. Uh, hell, I think if you watched any single one of his films, you might pick that up. Uh, I was shocked to see it so early in this career as well. Um, uh, Pairing Duran Duran with a teapot being bashed over someone's head, mm, I think okay. was pretty awesome. And I feel like... Uh, I de- yeah, yeah. It, w- it was exactly you know the type of scenes everyone loves to death in the Kingsman movies and uh
0: it's it's a very loose connection I love that you picked up on that yeah honestly yeah. i'm not I wasn't anywhere near there i i I'm willing to say <laughs> he had the brains and that was his thing and he kept sure. that going rather than just a, a a coincidence yeah 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 but uh okay
1: huh. I, I think uh, and maybe I can dial back the praise in the sense that no, 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 no! I love Every it. Every director's wet dream is a is a fun music action sequence. Look, you know, uh, like I said, I
0: couldn't find any connecting of the dots. Yeah, the fact that you were finding stuff, I'm I'm all for. <laughs> yeah,
1: but well, to be fair, that's really it. More so, just because. <laughs> You would certainly agree that it, it, Vaughn is known for these slick action sequences. Yes, that's every film.
0: Oh, and part of the thing that I find lazy and don't like. Mm. Everyone talks about the church film mm. in the first Kingsman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe because I saw it later. Yeah. Like, I think I even saw it after. Like I've seen John Wicks and sure, stuff, so sure. I had just perspective or more. Mm-hmm. Just not impressed with the guy. <laughs> really. Most really. impressed at his simplicity in layer cake. Sure.
1: Sure. Absolutely. I, I, I'm there with you. Uh, I think uh, uh, that's a great observation because you go back and you watch that. It's like. Okay, you know, I I think that's another case where the meme of it using Freebird, the trope uh, yeah, of like yeah, expecting yeah. Freebird in a movie, what's going, you know, yeah, uh, that that's that's where it kind of outlives uh, the actual experience of itself. Uh, but I, I would say, unlike Scarface, uh, there was really no puzzle to unpack with my old rating on this one. Um, I think, if anything, I was impressed with how much this held up to what I what I expected it to be. Yeah, uh, and I think because of the emphasis uh, is so clearly on um, the twists and turns of where the story goes, um, I was really appreciative of a rewatch to pick up more of these crumbs, uh, of the interconnectedness of this of this criminal world. I, I'm happy to say this held up very well, and once again, it was just so nice to see a toned back version of what we know to be a very loud style uh, in a director. I think in addition, this being an important piece in the 2000s action landscape it's still worth your time today and definitely for kind of cinephiles and folks at home if you if you like what we talk about and kind of connect the the uh the threads between where actors go and and kind of studying historically as well uh this one's a good watch with that said we're going to go ahead and give layer cake 2004 a 69
0: a 69 percent for layer cake not bad. That's yeah. That, that's a good movie. Sixty-nine percent is a good Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. It's funny. The more I watch the film, almost the more I like it.
1: I could imagine because you pick up more on how complicated the plot. Yeah. Uh, and can it,
0: be. it didn't get old. I mean, it was really and almost like you said, it was refreshing to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did see it before Argyle, but watching this, I get. I, I was still saying, this is the guy that went on to do the Kingsman. Then what was? Mm. Where was this? There's just a little bit more of a grittiness to it. There's no flash. There's no bang in a lot of ways. And I like that. Uh, Good story, good actors, and good writing. Love Daniel Craig. And like you said, so many reasons to go see it. You sure. know, this is t- towards the later years of Michael Gambon. I yep. think he's phenomenal in Oh, this. yeah, absolutely. Uh, later years of Daniel, uh, early years of Daniel Craig. You know, he rode to perdition in, tw- in 2002 mm. and then this in 2004. Yep. And like I said, if you want to see why Daniel Craig is the massive success he is, which mm-hmm. started with Bond, yep. it really isn't this. The DNA isn't here. Um, I love this movie. I like it way more than a 69. Okay. This gets two shoes and one of them are laced. Whoa,
1: that's Uh, very positive.
0: It's up there with some bonds. Really? Because... I love it. It, 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 it. That's great. It feels like a smaller movie. Don't yep. get me wrong, mm-hmm. but a good movie. Like I'm mm. almost. It almost gets a little. It almost gets that shoelace because mm. I'm so impressed with it. Sure, uh, it a sleeper well. hit almost. Like Where, hey, if you don't know about this, check it out. Right. Yeah. Because we were talking about uh, we talked about American Fiction. Yeah. And that I finally saw it last week, and we were talking about how I f- I felt that it just felt like a film festival movie. Mm, okay. It felt small, mm-hmm. and it kind of deserved to be small. It deserved just that festival release. <laughs> we see it, and then. I just wasn't... You weren't I, floored by it. I wasn't feeling the buzz. Yeah. You know what I mean? A
1: little shot in the foot by expectations. For sure. Certainly. Oh, absolutely. And, and even my own praise of the film. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, Layer Cake feels like a small film, but it still feels like a deserving wide release. It still feels like a movie. Mm. It feels like a motion picture first. I'm just impressed with what... They were able to do, yeah, with locations and, and and budget and cast and whatever. So, two shoes, one lace. guess like it's <laughs> up there boy. with some bonds. So I was great. waiting for you to say, "Is your boy?" <laughs> He's
1: <"That> my boy. That <laughs> is actually your boy. He's <laughs> my boy. Oh my, god. so true. <laughs>
0: Uh, Okay, folks, so before we go on to our two new release films, we just want to remind everybody that we are going off of the value-for-value model. So, Vin and I, every week, uh, we are putting value out to you all. So, you know, the podcast comes out once a week. The newsletter comes out every Monday evening, Tuesday morning. We, of course, well, we have, the the main thing is, too, the website, which is the – we always call it the companion piece to – um, to the podcast where we're basically making our own IMDb, our own Rotten Tomatoes right. of the Daily Ratings. It really is a database, yeah. Uh, that's all value. And if you're finding it valuable, we ask you, can you send some value back our way? And you do that through monetary support. So you go to the daily ratings.com and you head to the donations tab and through your monetary support... You show us what value you're getting, and you also become a legit producer of the daily ratings. Just like in Hollywood, when you financially support something, you become a producer of that project or that product, and we've had some great producers of the daily ratings so far, and we hope to have many in the future. The whole value-for-value value model, it's a little bit new. There's, a, there's definitely some podcasts doing it, but the reason why we do it this way is we have no paywalls on the site. We have no paid tier structures. Uh, there's no advertising, which is a huge thing. We're mm. not going to just be shilling things and stopping for Ooh. ad breaks yeah. that we don't care about or pop up ads on the site and mm-hmm. like, really bog that down. It's a pretty clean experience, and it's just kind of another way to do things. Because um, $5 from you could be a lot different from $5 or $100 to somebody else. You know, mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own thing going on. The idea is, eh, can you just send us some value? You sure. know what I mean? Are you having a good time every week? Sure. You're more into movies. You're making your own movie list because of what we've got going on here or because what we do every week. It's value in your pocket. Can you send us value back in our pocket? When you become a producer, don't forget in to send your dono- your donation note in, whether it be questions, comments, critiques. It could be about movies or TV, your life or whatever. It doesn't really matter.
1: You want to bash my, my opinions? <laughs> you hated Tony Soprano? <laughs>
0: Let us know about it. You send in a note along with your donation, and we're going to read it right here in this donation, in this producer segment. We're definitely seeing more and more people are listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean- worldwide and throughout the states and everything it is growing which is great to see Uh, now it's just hopefully that this value for value model can kind of catch on a little bit the whole producer model um, rather than advertising tier structures Mm. paywalls you know Uh, and
1: even going to the what you said it's a clean experience if we're going to put time in the podcast aside for anything other than the movies we want to put the time aside for the people that are listening we want to hear from you exactly we want to hear how this impact is happening
0: it's a so. great through line it's mm-hmm. a great through line so when you donate you can send in one of those producer notes through a paypal box i think you're limited characters uh, but always don't be afraid to email us whether it's your note mm. or just email us at sure. tom.vin at ratings.com. So you can email us there, whether it be your donation note, whatever. Uh, We thank you all so much. Again, we're hoping this year, since more and more people are listening, we can get more and more people just kind of get the idea out there. Get people to understand a little bit what the whole value for value is. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Okay, Vin, let's go on to our newly released films. We're going to start with a doozy yeah we're gonna (laughs) this film came out in 2023 again it was it was a film festival release and finally it's starting to trickle out for us in theaters in the states and it's also getting it's got some Oscar nominations as well oh yes yeah. so it's with Sandra Huller who had a big year in 2023 because we were very big fans of her playing the lead role in Anatomy of a Fall Uh, but this is called The Zone of Interest by Jonathan Glazer is directing Uh, set the film up for Shorvin and tell us about a little bit and tell us, how'd you like it? Uh,
1: Well, the best thing I can say for this film, though not a part of the original production of this, but this very much is right in the wheelhouse of what we know A24 to be. I feel like uh, it's a match made of heaven, basically, (laughs) pairing these two together. And I'll tell you, Tom, I was kicking myself for not catching an earlier showing of this in October because wow, would it have fit into the horror month. Uh, I feel like another thing that I can kind of... What what I want to add to the building praise of this film is that both in Glazer's background uh, but also in the film itself, uh, I really would describe it closer to a horror than... The Oscar baity drama it's being portrayed as. So, uh, if anything, the uh, the when when people kind of roll their eyes over kind of an Oscar nominated film like that, this is not one of those because of how unique and and disturbing uh, a lot of it is
0: that really surprises me mm. because i really haven't heard that word horror yeah. connected with this film that much yeah. i know a decent amount about it i've heard a lot of reviews sure, of some clips sure. i've seen yeah uh, but often it is like a drama drama history war exactly. are the main three genres that people attach to it yeah Horror, I can see how you get there, but I'm interested that that's how impactful it was to yeah, you. Yeah,
1: I, I think so. I mean, if you want to maybe dial it back to suspense in ways, uh, but I then I think it's it's not really like a thriller, it's not really suspense. I feel like what the experience you walk out of this is is horrific. Uh, and, and not that it was kind of uninterested in this film earlier in the year. I believe it originally landed in, in uh, it released in May in Germany, and then we had that small run in October, but I I found this to be a dark horse in the recognition of 2023, especially being this kind of minimalist German film. But uh, boy, was that a big mistake. This was an excellent, excellent. Okay, all right. So believe the hype already. Absolutely. All I had to do is dig through director Jonathan Glazer's films, who was a name that really just slipped my mind. Um, I realized he'd made one of my favorite horrors, a film I loved so much. We covered it actually randomly on the podcast, 2013's. extraterrestrial horror under the skin. Uh, Hell, he's even directed a handful of some seriously iconic music videos, including, uh, the moving room in Jameriquai's Virtual Insanity. I mean, that's that's a, that's a okay uh, music videos. That's a feather in the cap. You know, that's a, that's a good music. I, video. We
0: like our director music who came from directing yeah, music videos. Absolutely, it is a little bit of a, a through line for us yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. It's 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 a good it's a good indicator for style, basically. Uh, but under the skin, you love. Yeah, have always loved that film.
1: Always loved that film. I uh, love the minimalism in it, and uh, yeah, honestly, it just uh, just totally slipped my mind. Uh, Glazer did that, and and just who Glazer was, honestly. So, uh, But that doesn't quite set the tone for what the film captures. This film does capture a lot. Like I said, uh, this is a very intense, horrific experience, but uh, it may not seem like that on the surface. The Zone of Interest is loosely inspired by the 2014 novel, mostly serves to portray the Holocaust within Nazi Germany in a disturbing new way. The position of commandant comes with certain privileges, but the story shows an unexpected one. Uh, The Zone is a family estate smack dab in the middle of a concentration camp, no less Auschwitz. Uh, This ludicrous idea attempting to show what a perfect German family should look like under the new regime. The real commander, Rudolf Haas, is played by Christian Friedel. But our focus is more on the family, the estate, and certainly the mindset. And the mindset in two directions. The mindset of our character's living this odd reality in the middle of Auschwitz uh, but also the mindset in what they're allowing by standing by Mm -hmm. Uh, the film really has a laser focus on what we allow by inaction Um, that is no better represented by Sandra Haller striking back once again she plays a grey character with an underline of menace Um, her being the only other adult uh, in this family we have to quietly confront her part in participating, even though she may not be the Nazi her husband is. Mm-hmm. Also, really want to give a shout out to Sandra Holler. Uh, I think my choice is definitely in Anatomy of the Fall as far as performance goes. Yeah. But this woman juggled a French, English, and full German uh, performance it's wild. with this. I mean... Uh,
0: props. She's crushing it. Seriously, she, props. she's totally crushing it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, we go back to 2022 when I was praising Kate uh, Blanchette for juggling some languages. Yeah, holler is like living these languages. Yeah, so.
0: it, it, it's very impressive what yeah. she was able to do last year. Absolutely, absolutely. And and like you said. You know, not only this is also split between her and the husband for sure in this film, correct? Mm, yeah, uh, where just where Anatomy of a Fall was such a platform and a runway, right, for her. Yeah. You know,
1: she's the target, she's the focus, and yeah, absolutely. This film is very minimalist. Uh, scenes really aren't emphasized in any way. I have to say, this will demand that the viewer has a laser attention to catch the context here. A perfect example of this is how the corners of the frame will be used to tell the quote-unquote real story. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example being smoke from a train billowing over their walls, or especially my favorite scene in this entire film, which I will simply call The River Discovery. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of moments where the full, where the film takes the full weight and the full horror of the Holocaust, and it hits us like a train. Uh, But the exact circumstances of how, how insane this idea is. Uh, and how it is allowed and enjoyed by our characters is what we untangle in the film. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: it's a it, the entire thing is a wild concept. Yeah. And interesting that we're just tackling it now in, in, in 2024, mm. but the idea of let's just, you know, a, a prospering mm. German military guy. Yeah. Let's just take their family yep. and right outside of Auschwitz, yep. which was a thing. Right. Because these people went to work in Austro- Auschwitz. Then. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to take the perspective of the family yeah and like you said on the outer frames you actually see what's going on yeah you know exactly. and' just that complete that swap of tone to a film that mm-hmm. should be something but mm-hmm. you're dealing with just almost an everyday family yeah in yeah. the most in the strangest and craziest circumstances yeah
1: and, and this film is, I mean, this was actually a packed theater. Everyone was was curious yeah, about this. Yeah, everyone's
0: been dying to see it. Right? <laughs> they freaking screwing us with, with, with showtimes yeah. and everything. Yeah. And,
1: and, and like I said, it, it, it's very minimal. It's very uh, slow. So there was, yeah. there was some old guys snoring in the theater. <laughs> uh, I really, uh, to get the most out of this, you got to be locked in. Yeah. Uh, and in and, and rewards in a way, because it's this, um, it's that question of, is this real? Was this allowed? Is this a thing? That's the hook for these slow moments of the film, and then it hits you with what the what the film is really trying to get across.
0: Yeah, my my biggest thing was well, one, I knew with how much praise it's getting, it's like, wow, these performances must be very good. Yeah, one because that's you're just so heavy on that. Mm-hmm. But two was. I've been hearing about how it was filmed as well, or the way camera placement is and mm-hmm. such. And mm-hmm. did, you, were you, did you find yourself impressed with the director, Jonathan Glazer, or was it more of an easy route to take?
1: Uh, not easy. I think uh, the concept was so electric that it, it did some heavy lifting. Believe it or not, I was not aware of the cinematography style going into this. Uh, okay. uh, and, and for folks at home, if you're not, uh, because... Uh, this has been a lot about its press circuit of of how this has been filmed they basically set up cameras in this estate and just kind of let people uh, let let the cast run with it uh so we get very fixed positions and that's what i mean that's what's so that's what's so compelling about really lock locking into this film and and, and right. you know almost scanning the screen for what the it's real. Very story cool. is. It's very
0: cool. It's very cool, but that's what I'm. Th- so you didn't. It didn't feel amateurish. No. Like oh, we set up these cameras and then they're doing that. You know, the, no. the characters are doing them. Uh,
1: maybe to your point, you could say this filming style is a, a gimmick, but a good gimmick. I would yeah. say, yeah,
0: worth uh, it, worth uh, it, and absolutely. effective. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think that's a valid question too. Kind of a tangent. Uh, well, I, I no no. I'll leave that. <laughs> it's a, a little bit too much of a tangent. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, again, what surprises me most after watching this film, I think everyone will say the same, is that it actually is getting this Oscar recon- recognition. Um, on top of these horror roots of Glazer, uh, he's really not afraid to get experimental at all with this. I would definitely describe this as uh, a bit art house uh, and realistically. Uh, not going to be everyone's bag. Um, the A24 vibes are strong
0: with this one. Yeah, it just um, seems oozes of it. Probably, yeah,
1: yeah. it really is. Um, uh, but in a good way. We've talked about plenty. I mean, across probably the entire podcast, we've talked about how A24 can kind of fluctuate. Sometimes it's a magic mix. Sometimes it's really boring, like eating an entire pie. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> this opens up with music playing over a blank screen for a solid two minutes, maybe more. Uh, you could feel the theater getting restless, just like, what the hell is right. <laughs> you know? um, And consistently, that music is very unsettling and very disturbing. Composer Mika Le- uh, Mika, Levy? Mika Levi okay. works with Glazer again uh, and kills it here. Um, in ways, and I was telling you about this uh, briefly when we saw each other over the weekend... Um, in ways, it reminds me a little bit of All Quiet on the Western Front, the new one, mm-hmm. where you have these modern, sometimes even like electronic, distorted sounds uh, to the to the music and to the soundtrack, and I think it's in purpose of more of a modern spin. I also think there's some connected tissue there is that maybe that's a trend in, in German filmmaking right now, of having these historical pieces, but having a, a modern soundtrack to it and modern filmmaking techniques.
0: That's interesting.
1: Either way, very disturbing, very unsettling. Sometimes the noise and I really mean kind of just noise, sometimes it's not music at all. Uh plays over. it it, it slowly unnerves you over this. This is not a long runtime either, but uh the Yeah, pacing, hour forty five again, yeah. Yeah. The pacing is uh it, it really gets under your skin in a way that dare I say, something like The Shining would, like high praise on the horse. It's, it's
0: high praise, and it's again, it's because people aren't g- connecting horror with this. Mm. Because we're not talking jump scares and yep. things like that. We're talking about a horrific, constant feeling yes. that is slowly kind of just, just fed to you I, in the film. So
1: Maybe not even fed to you. I know what you're saying there, but I think the exact line that it's successful is because you're discovering these things yourself.
0: Okay, You're making yeah.
1: the connections, and that's why it's it's more in your head, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is a movie where we don't see any direct death of the Holocaust. Uh, so discovering that for ourselves, it feels, the I don't feel, know, it, it feels psychological, it, you know?
0: Right, it feels horrific. It feels yeah, horror, yeah. Right,
1: exactly. Uh, there are also very drastic color palette shifts all over this, including some— unsettling and out-of-left-field night vision shots, and overall the experience puts the blinders on the atrocities directly, but instead effectively unnerves the viewer with a constant barrage of unsettling clues. All of this makes for a surprisingly surreal experience that not only dips into horror, but I would strongly argue is one of the best horror films I've seen from the last year. Wow, Um, Definitely not for everyone, both for the intensity of it, for the pacing of it, but I have to admit, with such a heavy focus—and I mean heavy focus on visual storytelling of the film—it's a bit challenge to juggle the German dialogue. I was so lasered in on the visual storytelling mm, of this, mm-hmm. it being the foreign or it being a foreign film with subtitles, was kind of hard. Yeah, uh, you it, it was a it back little bit forth. actually difficult. Yeah. yeah. I bring this up because there are some lines said by these characters that shifted everything into perspective, shifted everything that I can argue this horror stance for the film and really shocked a pack theater out of nowhere, itching to find out what the hype was around this film. And I happily say, like you said, Tom, believe the hype. We're going to go ahead and give The Zone of Interest an 83
0: Wow, an 80, 83% Finn. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Very good movie. We might be
1: spending some time, more time with Glazer because he's got a lot. I've never seen any of it other than Under the Skin. I love it. So. We
0: should definitely give him more of a watch. Sandra Holer will give her more love. Absolutely. Because she has quite the career. I I can only and,
1: imagine what the next two years will be for her.
0: Oh, yeah, she's going to skyrocket. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 83% – that's a big
1: – Yeah, big movie. Um, I mean, you look one at, of the best of the
0: year. I mean, you look at what the, cover, the films that we covered in 23. Yeah. And there was only two, that did better than an eighty three percent. So this yeah. is a heavy, heavy hitter, folks. Well, eighty three percent. If you can see it in theaters, go see it in theaters. <laughs> uh, yeah, but really, it ought to be coming to. Was it Apple? Somebody did grab it. Oh, okay. oh wait, no, no. What am I saying? A twenty four has the new uh,
1: oh, HBO Max. The deal.
0: new deal with Max. Yeah. So it will be on Max at some point, hopefully soon. Mm. Because you would think they would want to get this out before the Oscars, or. They would use the Oscars to hype the film, and I, I don't know, but maybe uh, around sure, Oscar time, sure. we'll actually be able to see this. Yeah, on max,
1: I think a home watch is honestly perfect for it, though. Because if you're getting a little tired, if you need to rewatch something just to see what the hell they just said, um, honestly, a yeah. home
0: watch is perfect and for it. Dealing with this. the subtitles, too, if you miss something exactly. or want to go back, and exactly yeah, because
1: yeah. sometimes, again, like these characters out of nowhere will say something, and it's like, wait, what? Like, they just said that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something else. But... Excellent.
0: Right, again, talk about a total shift in mood. <laughs> total yeah. shift, uh, total here. shift in movies Total shift
1: in rating, uh, in, in experience, <laughs> in enjoyment.
0: So this film is an actual, this is a true 2024 film, Vin. Yeah. Um, this is Argyle. So this is directed by Matthew Vaughn, who just did Layer Cake that we covered. <laughs> Okay. We saw
1: this together. Tom, how would you rate the movie theater experience? I have no notes on this, but it was definitely an experience. The
0: theater experience was very good. Reason being, uh, one way, (laughs) way, way overly excited guy. Having reactions to moments in the films. I mean, the most. There was copious clapping.
1: There was hooting. There was. Oh, at one
0: point, in the most nauseating part of the film almost. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was oh, like, wow. I mean, you and I both jumped out of our seats, like, looked, look, like, looked at each other, eyes locked. Like, and- are you f-
2: kidding me with this shit?
0: <laughs> this is what the mainstream wants. <laughs> this film is. I'm gonna. I'm taking. I'm taking the reins. Real. Yo, quick. Oh yeah, here. take it. Take it. This film is all over the place. Mm. At some points, it's so dumb, you're shocked that this is even, like, mm. it's insulting that right. this film was made and that even adults you should even go. Even want it to be
1: dumb, yeah, right. It's, it's that dumb.
0: Yet at the same time, it's a little bit incoherent to <laughs> the plot. And the way this whole thing came about, and this is kind of how I'll set it up, Vin, before mm. I toss it to you. Yeah, yeah. Argyle's—there are actual books— Called Argyle. Oh, really? Matthew Vaughn really wanted to do a movie. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get the rights to the book. Then along, so so basically went to the writer, mm-hmm. and the writer wrote a book for, for this, this film. Oh, it came out like just weeks before the film came out. Wow! So Matthew Vaughn was able to make this movie. Mm. So basically, he's making a movie about a later book that's somewhat connected to the earlier ones and tells the future of books, too, because you're doing backstory. Plus, Wow. It's ridiculous how it's tried to connect it. Unreal. It's crazy how he wants to kind of be in the world of the Kingsman world as well.
1: Oh, sure. And and
0: just combining of universes he's trying to do. Yep. Um, Like I said, it cost $200 million, and Apple took it up. Mm. Uh, I believe it was Apple's $200 million. They might even spent more on it. And then Matthew Vaughn convinced Universal to buy back some of the rights or something so they can actually do a theatrical release, Oh wow! which is a huge waste because it's (laughs) it's doing terribly. It's it's really doing bad. As it should. So the whole idea, it's like Matthew Vaughn, this isn't a throwaway project. This was a sought after, Mm. basically curtailed and critiqued for him, Mm. created for him with this whole book nonsense. Wow. Uh, Shocking. Shockingly bad. Vin, how did you like Argyle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, shocking bad, it's right. <laughs>
0: I, I got to say uh and I'll comment it on a
1: few times. I mean, uh if I had to give a a graph, uh, a visual representation of uh I don't know, maybe even just my enjoyment, but a visual representation of how uh director's work Vaughn's will always be a slope directly downward. Slope down, slope down. Uh his beginnings are usually the strongest um and uh uh, it's 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 something else. This movie is really something else. I had to ch- uh, really check myself on if this was the first Matthew Vaughn film we covered on the podcast. Uh, we covered the World War One Kingsman film, and boy, do I not remember that at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it came out on Netflix. That's why. And it was oh. during COVID or something. Oh, okay. And it's called The Kingsman. Yeah. Huge, I, mean, had re- I, I re-
1: remember the movie. I just don't remember reviewing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A
0: little bit of Houdini syndrome. Yeah, like that. yeah. So uh,
1: I guess I got to listen back to my own voice. You didn't
0: hate it, by the way. No.
1: I, I don't remember hating it. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I remember it probably being the strongest of the Kingsmen. Um, uh, oddly the, enough,
0: I think you like the first one the best. No, okay. I, I, I think it was ballpark one, three, and then two. Yeah,
1: two two's bad. <laughs> but but Vaughn has become more of a producer powerhouse in the UK film industry more than a director as of late. We commented this on the very end of last week, so I, I it was really no shock to me that. The money moves this made were the tacked-on post credit scene promoting uh, his own kind of wet fart of a cinematic universe. Yeah. The heavy, heavy, more-than-ever heavy licensed soundtrack put into this. And that, Disgusting. That, that damn Beatles song that is
0: played. Disgusting.
1: To nauseum. Uh, It really just, dis- I don't know, I-, I feel like this felt like Vaughn was, was in his producer role more than he was uh, in his director role which is even Uh, worse
0: yeah absolutely I mean his fingers were all over
1: this exactly right no one was telling him no so that (laughs) means it's his ideas (laughs) Uh, this movie was bad though like really really bad shocking Um, it looked to be loud and obnoxious but uh, hey guess what it was loud and obnoxious Uh, You know how the 2010s was packed with those comedies that uh, were just, like, filled to the brim with actors as some desperate attempt to appeal to everyone? This copies that formula in a spy action comedy shell. I'll maybe give a very, 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 very soft recommendation for a Valentine's Day crowd for this because of the... Feminine spin centered on Bryce Dallas Howard, but otherwise I would say steer clear.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say, I would say uh, if you want to break up with somebody on Valentine's <laughs> if you Day, wanna, take you want to sink the relationship. Yeah, take, take him with the orc. All you got to do is come out with the movie saying, I really like that. Boom. Gone. Right. Gone. Your date's gone. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's actually been a lot of memes going around of saying taking uh, your your date to uh, to pour things as the first date. It's <laughs> great. Uh, initially, uh, I would say, for a sliver of time uh, in this, it, it kind of worked for me as a spy-themed stranger than fiction uh, until it repeatedly shits the bed. Uh, in Argyle, <laughs> we follow Ellie Conway, a writer of a mega-popular Pulp Spy series, her daydreams filled with the stylish stories of her characters. Um, she's really married to her work and may not live in reality, but reality comes knocking at her door when when, when her books start predicting real events with real consequences. Fans of Henry Cavill uh, will be very disappointed here as Sam Rockwell takes over the quote-unquote real spy story uh, assigned to protect Ellie from a spiraling conspiracy that attempts to have a shocking amount of twists, probably four times over, with little success in any of them. Uh, <laughs> my hot take on Matthew Vaughn, uh, like I said, is that his movies are just this steady downward slope. Often, the best action sequences and even late, mo- late, late runtime razzle dazzle will be front loaded in his films, and the rest is just this kind of steady decline. Uh, I point exactly, I point directly to the second Kingsman film uh, or the Golden Circle or whatever it's called as a perfect example of this. That open taxi action sequences is one of the best action scenes of the decade. I will fall on the sword for it and then the film only becomes a mess and further a mess and then Elton John's put in it and then it's just just (laughs) like stop. It's too much. I would say the fake spy story here slightly works at the start. It's camp existing somewhere between a real James Bond movie and Austin Powers buffoonery, but wow, uh, by the end, I was saying, please kill me, release me yeah, from this it, film. It's,
0: it's really true. The last 20 uh, minutes are borderline painful, tortured yeah, to it, get through.
1: It really is torturous. Uh, you know, uh, that, that story just slides further and further and flounders for, I, I would say, almost even the last hour. Oh, it's flounder's a good word. yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's just like, I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough. Uh, strike me down. Uh, <laughs> soon this uh, intentional corniness comes to the real-world plot, too, and sadly, it just does not work an ounce. The fact that many scenes towards the end are goofier than... Cavill's hair uh, in the beginning is not a good payoff. Uh, It really isn't. Um, I feel like the worst thing that this film could have done is start goofy and then end goofier. Uh, where if it was really like a stranger than fiction or something like that, yeah. start with your your fun, goofy present uh, premise and move into more serious and actually make a decent action film out of it, even with Bryce Dallas yeah. Howard being the, the sole lead there. I don't know. What are your thoughts?
0: I think it was trying to do that.
1: Uh, no, I think it was trying to be even goofier. I mean, I... I, <laughs> I, I, I uh... I, I will say one evidence that the ice skating scene, we'll just call okay. it that, oh, God, we will just call right. the ice skating scene, I feel like uh, it's goofier than anything in the fake world of her books.
2: I wow. Mean,
0: okay. Maybe. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't, I can't say for sure mm-hmm. I, uh, that maybe it's trying to keep the same tone the entire time. Yeah. Uh, it's trying to be cool. Don't forget the ice skating <laughs> thing. I don't think it's supposed to be goofy. I, th- uh, I think Matthew Vaughn would be upset. Oh boy. About us calling things. To, I mean, it is that's folks, a
1: very good question. That's a very good question. <laughs> what, what, what was what was Vaughn's intention? I mean, folks,
0: that? that's what's shocking here. You know what <laughs> I mean? Is the movie's taking itself seriously, but then it doesn't <laughs> yeah. want to. Yeah, because even like what Vin said, how it starts and when you almost with B plot with, mm. with this imaginary plot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so over the top that it's supposed to be a goof. It's supposed yeah. to be a James Bond kind of joke, and slightly enjoyable for right. that reason. And that's why, when you're in the real stuff, or what's mm-hmm. supposed to be in the real stuff, that's why I just thought it's him taking it more seriously, yeah. kind of. That's true. It's true. I, I, it's
1: shocking. It really is. It's, it's, it's shocking. It's shockingly bad. I, I you know, it, it's tough because this film actually does have a lot of spoilers. Um, believe it or not, uh, I really have to tiptoe here in 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 talking about how much of a problem I have with certain shifts in the plot.
0: Oh, I would love, to. Uh, th- I know, and, I s- would. and
1: certain characters. But I mean, they uh, maybe as again, I'm just trying to I'm trying to be semi balanced here. Uh, again, if if you really like wild twists, um, this maybe could could slightly again I'm going to disagree because
0: I don't think anything wild is about it. Uh I think it's so dumb Mm. and then incoherent that you can't even call them twists. Okay, okay.
1: Well, uh, to be fair, did you predict any of them? I didn't predict any of them. (laughs) Well, I predicted
0: the one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I didn't predict. (laughs) The stupidity sunk below your radar. I'm not the smartest man, but (laughs) I can definitely say, no, I was not dumb enough to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to call out what the twists were going to be. It effectively in this film. <laughs> was stealth.
1: It was the stealth bomber past your radar. <laughs> I would say, you know, when it comes to... You know, describing these scenes, I re- really, really trust me. The mix of semi-serious action and comedy will turn your stomach. I would say the only saving grace here uh, is Brian Cranston, who is so cartoonishly evil, he is introduced with church organs playing which honestly (laughs) it got a laugh out of me every time they were just like laying on these church organs I was like what Cranston is uh, this is a very hammy I mean everyone's super hammy in this uh, but Cranston does kind of achieve some sort of, um, I don't know, something a delicious yeah. garbage. Yes, uh, uh, great, yeah.
0: great, yep, great yeah. verbiage or uh, whatever, yeah. uh, great adjective. <laughs>
1: yeah, delicious garbage. Camp.
0: <laughs> Cranston to me as well is probably the best. The problem is I love Sam Rockwell. The, mm, the, reason, the reason why I'm so disappointed that this film exists mm. is because it tarnishes his name. You know,
1: I think I think that's fair. Um, because I definitely was kind of side eyeing Sam Rockwell after this a little
0: bit. I, I mean, he he takes all different kinds of roles. Sure. you yeah. know, it's just I feel bad for him. Yeah, I'm not upset at him. Right, I'm upset right. for him, with him. Yeah, uh, that his name is attached to this property. Yeah, it it really is just such a shame. Uh, I'd never been a fan of Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm. I don't think she's strong. I, I really can, in my mind, swap her sometimes with Jessica Chastain. Oh, for they're, sure. They, they're both just redheads. They're cute, whatever. Right. right. Um, but to me, they also had the same flaws of not being strong actors mm. and not commanding the screen or being yep. a presence on screen. They're too soft almost. And yeah. like, with, alongside Sam Rockwell, if you just had like a Vanessa Kirby or mm. something, maybe. It would even hit a little bit more, maybe because it tries to be serious and it's not at all. It tries mm, to be no. funny and it's not at all. Yep. So, and the
1: moments f- that it's trying to crank tension, that comedy rots away. Yeah. The tension of the spy, or 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 what we're supposed to yeah, take seriously definitely. as stakes in this film.
0: Um, and so the material wasn't there for sure for the actors, and mm-hmm. I still think Bryce Dallas Howard did nothing to. Elevate it at all, yeah. And if any will, just sinks it a little bit worse, really. absolutely,
1: absolutely. I'm right there with you. I, I, Jessica Chastain, I would have to maybe look at a filmography, but what's Howard got? The the, the terrible.
0: Uh, She's got the Jurassic, Jurassic World, right, the Jurassic so, World stuff. Yeah. and stuff. And what's crazy is mm-hmm. is the the first of all, as far as marketing goes. Mm. Henry Cavill and Dua Lipa are all over the posters. I mean, Henry Cavill is almost like top billing at times. He's yeah. always just like the biggest in the posters. Right, right. Folks, do, do not go to see these people. Yeah. However, I would love to just see them, or Dua Lipa seemed at least cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Even
1: the, I, I even said it to you. Of all things, and folks, if you listen to <laughs> – my my shitting on the Fast and Furious uh, movies. Even John Cena won me over
0: in this. <laughs> uh, that's a big that's thing for me to say because I really don't like John who's Cena. Also, barely in it, folks. By the way, <laughs> yeah, Talking right. About f- another one person who has like four lines. <laughs> right, right. Um, but if those were fleshed out more, more utilized, like mm-hmm. Dulaipa, or I don't know, is just have more of like that that palm Clementiffy kind of person. Mm, like, okay, in okay, sure, possible, sure. Boy, it's just. No serious, no, no, it, 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 no hits. Yeah, literally, it's crazy. Yeah, And yeah. a CGI nightmare. Yeah, I'm th- in a garbage. <laughs> I mean, a, a graveyard of CGI. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just god awful. terrible.
1: I think for me, the the bad part with the CGI is that I I, I guess I don't mind when it's using like the big like action sequences. No, what pisses me off is. How it's in, like, the establishing shots. There's a shot of her in her apartment, and the water is just, like, it looks like a PS2 game. It looks what you always you say. You think the like, water was CGI? Oh, yeah. I think, like, the establishing shots are where the worst CGI is. Interesting.
0: Because it's clearly not, like, on site or whatever I wonder if it was like shot that? in 60, 60 millimeter.
1: I, don't, I have no idea. Or
0: 60 frames per second, whatever that's called. Uh, 60 frames yeah, uh, six, would be... Because that has a polishing thing that happens. Yeah. My problem with this like, I have an entirely problem with the action scenes mm. being the CGI that they mm. are. It's another reason why I don't like the Kingsman. It's another reason why that Golden, mm. that golden Circle Kingsman thing. You're not digging the, the taxi, taxi scene. Cat, the, no. Oh, I, 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 oh yeah, I, watch it. I, I have, have no, I'd scene. rather sit down and watch you play video games. <laughs> because at least it knows it's a video game. <laughs> okay, uh, fair. I fair. can't stand Vaughn's use of CGI or what happens. His polished kind of look okay. of this fake gold or fake metallic kind of sheen to mm. things uh can't stand it. I did the CGI in in the action lessened the action mm. lessened the seriousness and added nothing to the comedy mm. uh, because it was so god awful.
1: Right. The I think I think that's where the balancing act uh tips over and kind of falls uh is because the comedy is it's lost. It, it, again, I think yeah. when it works it's it's somewhere like directly in between an Austin Powers and a real James Bond, but I feel like it wants, not to use a cliche of cake and eat it too... Uh, but uh, it really does want its stylus action sequences, but to be this comedy as well, and it's just uh, it's, both sides fail. It shoots oh, yeah. itself in the foot. Yeah, definitely. I really didn't have much more to talk about on CGI, so I'm glad you brought it up because I, I really just uh, you know, I, I think I could go on and on about this, the many problems I have in this film, and CGI is one of those where it's just like it, it was bad. I, I. I I, I hate it I don't it. want to do a deep dive on how bad that CGI was okay. it was a
0: bug I mean it, it actively made the movie even more terrible for me yeah, yeah yeah I agree I agree
1: another one of those aspects that I don't have a lot of of expanded thoughts on is just it's that cast the fact that some actors were paid to barely be on screen uh, Samuel Jackson's casting in this is is probably the best joke of the whole film I mean oh <laughs> <laughs> He's just watching basketball. No.
0: They and just platform. <laughs> I can't I I would love to see how much they paid him. How much <laughs> of the two hundred million went into his pocket? Oh, for sure. For probably for sure. thirty minutes on set or right. something. Yeah.
1: And if anything, that's maybe where the two hundred million makes sense is because this is such a bloated cast. Uh
0: from uh, I think it's CGI costs. Oh yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Mm, definitely. That
1: makes sense. Uh but but uh, that that bloated cast is that, you know. They have this cast for the 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 fake spy story, and they basically abandoned it. And those, I mean, I don't know. I uh, I, th- I thought it would have been more creative. Again, in this kind of stranger than fiction, her writing is coming alive. I don't know. Incorporate them more. Uh, you got them. Yeah. Like just uh, it's, it's, instead of a adi- uh, instead of introducing all these additional characters that like I don't care about. I right. care about what the initial hook was.
0: Right. This this could have been more everything. Mm. It just it it. it the actors could have been doing more. The cor- the story could have actually just had more instead of yeah. just dumb. It could have, the only thing it couldn't have more of is it couldn't have been more worse. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I gotta say, um, <laughs> the last thing we gotta talk about is just uh, most of all the music, which just feels <laughs> suspiciously tied in post production. Uh, it this uh, features heavily, 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 heavily the new Beatles song uh, produced by McCartney and Ringo uh, that um, was a tie-in to Apple, probably was uh, acquired on the cheap. Let me tell you, it just does mm. not feel like it fits into any scene. Like, especially for a director that is so particular about the fun needle drops that he wants to put into his action scenes. Yeah, This Beatles, this Beatles song didn't match with the... The funk disco that is peppered into the Argyle story, or even the very bland spy kind of score that is put over this, yeah. Um, to
0: to an extent, this Beatles now and then song is yeah. almost the overarching theme, the overarching score, really yeah, for the right. film.
1: It's played good four times,
0: a good four times. And and the shocking thing is that. I mean, the one thing you could say is when the action starts, I mean, we're so bloated with action scenes Mm -hmm. and movies Mm -hmm. today. I actually kind of like the music that's playing during the action. Okay. Okay. Uh, It's actually something I could maybe say that it's something different, something a little bit unique. Mm. Yeah, this now and then is just, it seems, it feels so commercial, this film. And the fact that it came. tie-in. Yeah, no. The, the movie was probably pretty much wrapped, and even yeah. had the CGI done, pretty much in the can, ready to go. Yeah. This this song comes out, and just yeah. have, I would love to know what the, what song was supposed to be it. Yeah, there's a certain, there's two characters on screen, and they have a moment together, saying like, "This is our song." Yeah, if yeah, correct. Yeah. and then this song plays, and it's just like, <laughs> well, interesting. This is taking place what two weeks ago? Then? Oh, right,
1: two weeks ago. But also, like the uh, how the wording of like how they're reminiscing over this song is. So vague that it really could have been anything. It felt like a template. Right, like they were just like, oh, we're we're gonna figure out what song it plays. Then. I almost you want know? to
0: read the book that came out a couple of weeks before this movie because <laughs> I want she probably just could have put that in there too. Right, right. I mean, I, I, Apple, Apple lawyers were, <laughs> were ready to pounce if she did. You know? Yeah, um, <laughs> not a strong song to begin with, and just to pepper it in there, it felt so grimy, mm, useless. Yep, and uh, tacked on. Yeah, inserted. Yeah, uh,
1: rough. Uh, folks. The, you know, all of this is pointing in one direction. I guess my last comment on this is that last year, I think my. Oof. I don't even know. I don't even know. I, I My gut says that it's worse than Thor, Love, and Thunder. And the reason why I compare it to Thor, Thor Love, and Thunder is just of how nauseating pop culture nauseating comedy, uh, just like uh, the please kill me now feeling as it's going yeah, on. It was strong.
0: It was very, <laughs> it was very strong. strong. You got to take yourself back to Love, and Thunder. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. But, I really do think uh this is uh much much worse uh and uh, honestly, my recommendation here is do not watch it, not worth your time we're gonna go ahead and give Argyle a very
0: strong twenty eight a twenty eight wow yeah. It's almost too high. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: thought I thought uh, 28 was was no. gonna get
0: because
1: uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a change your name folks- to Mo- change your name to
0: Mother Teresa. I mean, you're a saint over there. <laughs> given <laughs> this, 20- given this at 28 percent. This this movie sucked ass. I
1: can't wait. What wait, we're definitely getting a new Tommy Two Shoes here. We, and we
0: didn't even talk. Well, it, the, you know the rule: if we see a movie together in theaters, you have right, to you give it. it. You got it. You uh, got it. And the writer of this, uh, <laughs> you go. Oh, you know the rules. Like we didn't like make the we've rules. Estab- well, no, we, I, <laughs> we've established with Puss and Boots when, yep. we, when we see a movie, me and you together in the theater, I have to give it a two shoes. Right,
1: I love it. I love okay. it. Okay, you know the right? oh, you know the rules right. as one of the writer of the <laughs> rules.
0: <laughs> I'm. Really Really looking at the writer sideways on this one too. Let's just say I can't say I'm looking forward to going back to watch Ice Age: Continental Drift. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the, the writer's name is really goes along with how I feel about the movie. Okay. Uh, his, do you know his name, his name is Jason <laughs> Fox <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> I mean, this movie is just a turd. I mean, this I, I wish. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm, I'm lost for words. I'll just skip right to it. This gets zero shoes. Zero shoes. I wish I gave it. It gets a spittle. Is this? This gets. I mean, broken glass on the ground. It's, it's you ridiculous. need shoes. Tries to be comedy. It isn't. Tries to be action. It's not. Mm. Tries to be a cool spy film. It's not. Mm. Um, this movie is a failure. <laughs> Matthew Vaughn to me is now just uh, truly horrible. I will never be excited to see anything else from never. him. I hope Hollywood stays away from him. Uh, very pleased that Layer Cake exists, though.
1: Yeah, uh, sure, sure, absolutely. Glad to hear and it's like one said, of one of your favorites. I mean,
0: it's so, it literally it's like if Nolan went from making Moment- Memento yeah. to now doing Red Notice on Netflix. Matthew Vaughn had Layer Cake, yeah. and now he's making Red Notice on Netflix. Essentially, wow, wow, uh, no better than that creep, Ryan Johnson, and, that creep, and just the rest of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's got some serious heat he's throwing this week.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I love it. So uh, uh, 28% though. Uh, any any finishing notes here? I mean, what, what crazy. Zone interest, 83. Argyle, 28. Yeah, Which is so dren- generous. So right. generous.
1: Finian's rainbow, 25.
2: Uh, uh, Scarface, <laughs> 81. That. <laughs> you know,
0: that's what I said in the beginning. Like You're going to like this week. This is all over the map. Uh, any other notes, Vin, for this week? Any other touching things or, or uh, things in the future? Roll no, credits here.
1: No, I think we're roll credits. We're running long. Uh, just stay away from Argyle. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's, that's the, the sage wisdom this week. <laughs> Man, thank you so much for watching these. This was a blast watching along as well. Uh, folks at home, we'll run it down one more time. We have Finian's Rainbow with a 25%, Scarface with an 81 Layer Cake with a 69 The Zone of Interest with an 83 and finally Argyle with a Zero Shoes and 28%. Folks, thank you so much for listening, and as always, we will see you next week with a brand new episode on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. We'd appreciate it. And just a reminder, The Daily Ratings is completely producer supported. We want to stay away from advertising, and we don't want to have any paywalls or tier structures or subscriptions. It's all just value for value. So, are you finding value in any of the things we're doing here at The Daily Ratings? Then become a producer and donate whatever amount of value that is. Just go to the donations tab on thedailyratings.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the massive amount of films that Vince has rated for us. So thanks so much, everybody. We will see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.